0: Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull, and I appreciate you being with us. Hey, this segment is brought to you by Vista Property Report. Uh, how, how would you like to know how many people are visiting a store or a site? Well, you can know that you can know that information, incredible information, now because they're, they're, our smartphones are tracking everywhere we go. Which we like a free report. Uh, and check it out. It's pretty awesome. Go to Vista Property Report slash CRE show. Check out some free reports. Well, today we're going to talk about the economy, uh, commercial real estate, uh, REITs, real estate investment trust that uh, control and own a lot of real estate. And also you can obviously invest in REITs through the public markets. Um, my guest is Calvin Schnoor. He is senior economist with Nary. Calvin, thanks for joining us, sir.
1: It's good to be back, Michael.
0: Well, in this uh, first segment, I, I don't want to talk about the economy, you know, what's, what you and, and, and REIT leaders, uh, you know, think about the, the rebound uh, and, you know, what's going to happen in recovery and how it's going to impact REITs. And and then uh, in the second segment, I'd like to, to get your thoughts on some of, of the specific segments, because obviously sep- uh, different sectors are getting impacted uh, different ways. And so... I guess the the question a lot of my listeners have for you, Calvin, is as an expert economist that you've been doing this a long time, you've seen previous uh, recessions. Um, Where are we right now? As we record this, we're in the first week of October, 2020. Um, We don't have a vaccine yet. Uh, We still have some states, you know, having really problems uh, with COVID. Uh, Where are we at the moment and what should we expect moving forward with the economy?
1: you know, we're all aware that this recession and recovery are completely different from anything we've seen in the past. And as a forecaster, it's meant I've had to be very agile. Everyone's had to be agile. Uh, six months ago, very few people thought that things would be rebounding. Very few people thought that the stock market would be coming back at all. Where do we stand right now? Well, in terms of some really important measures like the job market and employment. We'll get payroll employment for September tomorrow morning. Uh, we're only about halfway back to where we had been. There are massive job losses, there's been a rebound, but we're only halfway back to where we were. You look at other parts of the economy, some things are doing amazingly well. The housing market is on fire, home construction, home sales, and actually house prices. Everything is moving up and looks like it's quite strong. Um, A lot of parts of the the retail universe, retail retail sales, which are important for retail properties, is also back on its feet. What you really see is we have a two-track economy. This is gonna be very important when we think about what's gonna happen over the next 12 to 18 months. It's a two-track economy. Some areas that don't have a lot of exposure to COVID, they're back and they're strong. Other areas with exposure to COVID are not coming back and really will not come back until we have better progress on the health front. So depending on what type of property and what type of exposure, you have a very different situation right now.
0: And we hear about the V and K and all these letters on the recovery. Um, as we stand today, um, as you said, we've had some some rebound, which seems to me a little bit amazing uh, when you look at what COVID's doing to the entire world, that we have any type of recovery, uh, which letter would you use?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've kind of shied clear of getting into the letters because they all apply to well, most of them, apply to a certain extent. Uh, v, if you're looking at the housing market, it's a V recovery. Part of the reason why is people need a place to live. You can't zoom in where you're gonna stay for the night. You can't buy that on on Amazon. You've gotta have a place to stay. Housing market is strong, that's a V. Um, A lot of retail sales is a V. Um, We've seen as stores and shopping malls opened again, people are coming back. They're coming back, learning how to follow the traffic patterns with the masks, touchless uh, touchless cashiers and so on. Uh, Those parts are pretty strong. Um, I'd also agree with the the K to the extent that um, many areas, you know, the retail service jobs, uh, the people who are on the front lines, they're not enjoying this recovery yet. That is, that is real. Um, I, I'm not sure if we see a W because mostly the economic fundamentals are sound because this was an external shock. The economy did not collapse because of internal weaknesses, which means there are still a lot of the undergirding. The U.S. economy that is there to support us. So I I could agree with some parts of a V for certain sectors. Uh, some parts have a K. There, there's there's no W in sight unless the pandemic gets a lot worse.
0: Yeah, and you've been through uh, a lot of recessions uh, and and you've studied uh, the economy in real estate uh, and and what and what the impact was and how it looks. So um, as you're looking at, at where we are right now and you compare it to uh, past recessions, uh, what, what do you what do you think? Because we want to we want to skate where the puck is going, right?
1: That's right. Um, the overall commercial real estate sector and the REITs operating within that sector actually are fairly resilient given the magnitude of this shock. Now, what do I mean by resilient? You know, their operating capabilities, their operating performance, and their financial the financial stresses that they face, or their ability to deal with those financial stresses. Are are actually quite good and should give investors a bit of comfort. Now, why are they resilient? Well, coming into the crisis, we did not have the three factors that usually spell doom for commercial real estate: overbuilding, overheating prices, or over indebtedness, excessive leverage. Uh, commercial construction for most property types was. Uh, Robust, but not excessive. So we don't have a huge supply overhang. You know, Demand is weakened, but we don't have that big supply overhang. Leverage was reduced quite a bit across most property types, most areas after the, the Great Recession 12 years ago. And property prices, prices have been increasing, but they're rising in line with income, NOI growth, it was matching price increases, which meant cap rates were low, but they were stable. So that meant that the sector overall, and and the REITs, the REITs have reduced their leverage, the REITs have good operating performance. Um, That's how this sector is coming through a terrible crisis, much better than it did 12 years ago, much better.
0: And what about the, is there a a difference in the debt and equity markets that uh, might change this uh, recovery compared to past?
1: Uh, yes, because the, the credit quality has more strength, firms have access to cash. First, I have access to capital. Uh, we've seen some REITs are raising equity capital. Uh, REITs lengthen the maturity of their debt at the same time that they reduce their leverage. The, the weighted average uh, maturity of REIT debt on the eve of the financial crisis 12 years ago was less than five years. Now it's almost seven years. That's a big increase. They've laddered their debt. They don't have big cash crunches. Uh, that and, and and that means that it's easier for them to access capital when they do need it for other things. That's really healthy for them dealing with a difficult operating environment. They need the financing and they've got it.
0: Yeah. yeah there seems to be a, a lot of liquidity, a lot of Uh, firms and and investors out there uh, with uh, cash looking to either um, use it as equity or or debt, right?
1: Yeah, I I I would put a caveat there that I talked earlier about the two-track economy and that holds with real estate as well. Uh, Clearly, the hotel, lodging, resort sector has really hurt because travel's in the area that's not coming back. Uh, a lot of the retail is weak as well. So there there have, there have been store closures, there have been bankruptcies. Uh, there are a lot of delinquencies in those two areas. Um, but you know outside of those areas it's just a very different world where uh, it's on much solid more solid ground.
0: Yeah, and I want to get your, your look and opinion um, in a little more detail on, on some of the various sectors and before we go there in the next segment, uh, when you talk about the economy, um, uh, the rebound. Uh, how has it been really affecting REITs uh, overall, uh, compared to you know how they were doing and, and where they are now?
1: You know, one thing that Nareit has done to get a sense of this, we, we needed more intelligence, we needed more information, and there was a lot of concern that with the economy shut down, maybe just tenants would not be able to pay their rent. So Nareit's been conducting a rent survey for the past uh, five or six months. Of its members, asking them what share of the typical rent uh, have you been receiving, and you know, the sectors that were hardest hit: the lodging, uh, the lodging resorts, uh, the shopping centers, and so on. Um, you know, four or five months ago they were getting about half of their half of their rents 60 70 percent of their rents typical rents maybe but each month as the economy opened up they were getting more and more so that many of those are 80 or 90 percent of the typical rents which is you know not a great situation but it's, it's not a crisis situation that you might have thought a couple months ago and then you look at the other sectors um, apartments uh, you know the, the, the apartment reITs are in solid position they're getting you 95 know, percent or so of the typical rent so there's some there's some financial losses there, uh, but but those are an earnings issue, not a solvency, not a survival issue. Uh, so that's just an indication of how the REITs are performing uh, You know, on a steady keel through some rocky seas.
0: Yeah. Well, do REIT valuations kind of line up today with um, how these properties are really performing?
1: Well, REIT valuations overall have come back Quite a bit from where they had been in March and April. You know, we saw every, everything was selling off. Then they've come back, but they've not come back as much as the overall market. Uh, investors seem to have some concern that the real estate sector has more exposure to some operating issues or perhaps financial issues. You know, real estate, in the past, has often been quite cyclical, um, but that performance is is at odds with what we're seeing on the ground in terms of their occupancy rates have. have have fallen a bit, but they've not collapsed. Uh, you know, The senior housing sector has fallen a bit more and, and you have vacant stores in some of the shopping centers. But overall, you still do have a lot of uh, good, not great, good operating performance. This suggests there's more upside for a lot of REITs than there would be downside at this point, more upside just because the operating performance is st- still holding in.
0: Okay. Well, good. Well, I want to get your, your opinion and look uh, forward at some of these various sectors. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. We'll be right back and, and do just that. I'm Michael Ball. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. Site selection, marketing, and property due diligence has just changed. Check out Vista Property Report slash CRE Show. That's Vista Property Report slash CRE Show. Use promo code CRE Show. You will love this product. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com.
1: Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow visit commercialagentsuccess.com.
0: Welcome back to America's commercial real estate show. I'm Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by Bull Realty for expert commercial real estate brokerage services. Visit bullrealty.com. Well, today we're talking with Calvin Schnurer. He is senior economist with Nareet. Uh And uh, Calvin, you've you know you've studied the market as an economist and a real estate expert for for a long time. We're all kind of curious uh, what's going to happen to some of the, the various sectors. And uh, you know, I think- uh, Uh, We all kind of know, or most of my listeners all know, you know, what's going on with retail and and with hospitality, uh, and then how well, uh, you know, industrial and and some of those markets have been doing. So I'd like to start with one that's, I guess, sort of in the middle in my mind, uh, and that's office, uh, because a lot of the office has been doing well, but there's a lot of talk about um, some of these companies, uh, using no space even, or, or less space. And, uh, so I was curious what the office markets, uh, uh doing in your mind and, and how that recovery looks there.
1: Well, you're right, Michael, the office market is really interesting right now. And what we all need to keep in mind is the difference between the shorter term and the longer term impact. Now you're saying, Oh, you're an economist. You always talk about short term and long term, right? No, no. Here's a very specific meaning. In short term, we have weak demand just because, uh, the economy was shut down. Um, you know, a lot of offices are vacant because people are not going in in the midst of this crisis. But longer term, will there be structural changes to how people use office space? Structural changes to the market because that could affect valuations for a long time. I'm I'm pretty confident that the shorter term demand issues uh, by a year from now they'll be in a rearview mirror. They'll be in the rearview mirror. But what about these longer term issues? Well, the first one is. Uh, work from home is here to stay. We've seen the Zoom meetings, we've seen the teleconferencing, we've seen a lot of electronic communications can fill a lot of the business functions that people normally would have wanted to be in a, in a conference room together in the office. Um, that said, there the office is here to stay as well. There are some important benefits of face-to-face meetings that online video conferences just cannot capture. Uh, if we're working on a project, an existing project with an existing team with existing goals, we can do that through a Zoom conference, no problem. What if you're trying to formulate a new project with new team members and you're not sure your objectives of who's gonna do what? Um, you know, we, we've all been in a Zoom meeting where you have uh, three too many people who all wanna talk at the same time and people cut up. that's not productive. Yeah. We're gonna see people going back to the office more because offices are productive for those meetings.
0: Yeah, some of those meetings will sound like a presidential debate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I think uh, Uh, I I lead a team that sells large office buildings and and I study it very closely. And one of the things that we've been tracking is office use and trends on the show, you know, for 10 years. And I've heard, you know, a lot of experts say, oh, we're going to cram more people in less space and uh, and and have open uh, areas. And I I kept, you know, responding with, "Okay, I get it. I see it. Uh, At the same time, I'm I was I've always been a real germaphobe. And I've never liked the idea of of treating employees uh, any different than the way I would want to be treated, and I don't want to be crammed in 150 square feet with people that, when they come in with a sniffle or a sneeze, um, I want to leave and I don't want to be there. So it seems like that's, a, you know, our office space in our our con- our world might be a little more healthy after this, is some of that uh, potentially going to help? The office market to, you know maybe people want to have more space uh, per person
1: yeah that's certainly on our horizon if we look back over the past seven to ten years probably the biggest trend in office was a greater density less space per worker fewer uh private enclosed offices more shared common space more workstations and so on um And you know, that's going to change. And actually what we're probably going to see is if people are working from home, work from home is here to stay, but it'll be on a flexible basis on an as needed basis. So if people are working from home one or two days a week, that probably means there's an empty office one or two days a week. So you don't have as many people in the hallway for the landowner, property owner. What does that mean? That means the tenant is still gonna be leasing an awful lot of space.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think there's going to be a, a, a year or maybe on the outside, a year and a half where some of these companies think that they can use maybe less space. Uh, I know one of our clients says, thinks they don't need any space right now. Yeah, I think they're going to have a problem uh, being competitive uh, with their competing companies. I think they're going to have a problem with recruiting, retention, culture innovation, training, productivity, quality, growth. I think like a lot of companies who have, have tried the work from home thing, I think they're gonna get back and uh, and see that they have problems with uh, with that. Um, so let's talk about uh, retail. Uh, as you mentioned in previous segment, some retailers are, are doing really well. Uh, what uh, What's retail look like to you?
1: Well, retail was obviously under pressure for- from e-commerce well before this began. A lot of what we're seeing is an acceleration of online shopping that is, uh, you know, reducing the need to go into a physical location. Um, that's, that, that's, that has been accelerated and is probably here to stay. Uh, but on the other hand, there's still a lot of types of goods that, that, that people really want to see the, see the feel, see the look, touch it, uh, try it on, and so on. Uh, clothing, shoes, are the are the big areas. And one of the surprising things, if you look at retail sales, many components are above where they were at the beginning of the year, above where they were pre-pandemic. The two areas that are not are gasoline sales because we're not we're not driving. That's included retail sales. The other is uh, clothing and apparel. And the distinctive feature of clothing and apparel is well, yes, you may want to um, you may want to try it on but right now you don't have the need for new outfit if you're not going to the office not going to a business meeting not going to a dinner not going to a holiday party we can stay in the same clothes that we have right now which means as the as people begin moving about in the economy more moving about socially you're going to see that type of spending coming back that type of shopping that's going to get people back in the malls we're going to see you know they're, they're, one of the one of the changes that's happened is the curbside pickup. This is a hybrid between online and the bricks and mortar experience and it needs both. It needs online and it needs bricks and mortar and it's pretty popular. And that's probably gonna be here to stay. Uh, Some stores may need a bit smaller footprint if they shift more to the curbside pickup, but they're still gonna have the locations. They're still gonna have people coming in, uh, going and doing some impulse shopping. We're gonna see the shopping centers and the regional malls doing pretty well once we get through this real real crisis of the health phase,
0: so you feel that the consumers are going to have um, the money uh, and they're going to have the confidence uh, that a retail demand could be uh, pretty strong. Then,
1: you know, here's where we have the real you know, two two track economy, the the the, the K shape economy. You know, the people who've kept their jobs. Uh, have a fair amount of money. There are a lot of people who have lost their jobs and it's important not to lose sight of the people who are struggling. And many of them were in lower income, uh, lower pay service positions anyway. But the fact that, you know, 92% of the people still have their jobs but have cut back spending means the cash is piling up in the bank. When I say in the bank, I mean it. I look at the Federal Reserve data on bank deposits. They don't move around a whole lot. It, you know, in a given year, it might change by a couple hundred billion. But since the pandemic, it has risen by two and three quarter trillion dollars. That's money in the bank that people could spend once they feel safe to go out. That's how this recession and recovery is different from the past. We've never had that much money on the sidelines. It's bigger than a fiscal stimulus ready to go
0: wow well the old saying right for a, a trillion here and a trillion there pretty soon you have real money <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's more than 10 percent of gdp yeah. wow. has accumulated in bank deposits that's a huge potential that's that's a that's a good sign for you know really next year's growth we're not going to see that spent this year but in 2021 you're going to see some surprising strength in a lot of areas
0: yeah, I've, um, you know, I'm in headquartered in Atlanta, and I guess, you know, we were one of the first states in Georgia here to to kind of get back open. And I tell you, to really to get back and be around more people and socialize and, Uh, be in the office uh, and you know our office is back open with the fresh flowers and the excitement and of course we've made a lot of changes to to reduce risk but but the other thing that we've that's been exciting is to get you know getting restaurants and things and uh, so and and I know a lot of restaurants are, are have been really hurt a lot of them have closed what's your outlook there
1: this is an area that's going to struggle over the next six months because restaurants have tried to adapt with the outdoor eating experience. It's been great. Um, I've had a number of meals outdoors when I would not have really been comfortable eating inside. But we know that the 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 we're in the fall. It's getting darker earlier and it's going to be cold. You're going to see restaurants having a. You know, I, I said earlier that I didn't see a W in many areas, but the restaurant area could be a W where we're gonna see greater weakness over the next six months. And I hope that they're able to use their own curbside pickup to keep their employees working, to keep the cash flow going so they can stay in business because we all wanna go back out to those restaurants. Uh, We talk about longer term change. One thing that I'm quite confident is we all want to be able to go to a good restaurant in our community. The question is how do we get through the next year until we can safely do that?
0: Yeah. And I guess that's going to really be determined by where you are and and the and the vaccine and things, right? Yeah, You're in
1: Atlanta. You might have a little bit more mm-hmm. of the outdoor dining a little bit later in the season than we do mm-hmm. here in Maryland, Washington D.C. The people up in Massachusetts are probably shifted into that uh, you know hunker down mode already.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about industrial briefly. Everybody kind of knows that's been going well. It's interesting. We're um, working on a million square foot industrial building that's vacant. And the uh, we've got an offer that's pretty remarkable for someone to buy a million square foot vacant building. And if you told somebody that ten years ago, they go, "What? That doesn't make any sense." What do you think about industrial?
1: You know, they're obviously one of the beneficiaries in this market. And again, this is continuing a trend that was here for you know most of the prior decade. And in industrial, the real growth area are the logistic facilities. They're shipping the goods that are bought online. That was very strong with low vacancies prior to the pandemic. It's uh, stronger with, uh, you know, we're going to see lower, even lower vacancies uh, in, in the future. Um, and that has a lot of legs, a lot of long-term growth. Now, when I talked about short-term versus longer-term effect, here's something really interesting that might be kind of surprising and give your listeners an idea of why I'm confident that the industrial has long-term strength. In April, in March, April, May, when retail sales fell very sharply, the bricks and mortar sales fell, uh, e-commerce went up 20%. So you had a big shift. Well, as bricks and mortar sales have come back, e-commerce didn't fall. It has actually continued edging higher. There are some categories of sales that people had not been buying online. They found that they can buy online. That means that you're still going to need to have, these centers to get things for the last line, last mile delivery. That's a strong fundamental for the industrial property market.
0: That's a good point. I just bought my first tires online. I'm like, well, how do you do that? Well, they they can do it now. Pretty crazy. In the previous segment, Calvin, you mentioned uh, you just touched on on senior housing. I'm curious of your outlook there. I mean, because if you look at senior housing and you look at the Demographics of baby boomers aging um, and things—it would seemingly be a great uh, sector, at least long-term, to be in. Uh, you mentioned that that they've they've received kind of a hit here. Uh, what what do you say about senior housing?
1: Well, senior housing might have one of the biggest dichotomies between the short term and the long term. In the short term, unfortunately, we saw. Earlier this year, that not the senior housing, but the nursing homes, which are which are you know specialized part of that uh, general area, that's unfortunately where we had some of the real crises with this pandemic and a lot of deaths and uh, people have been concerned about that. Um, and what what does that mean? Well, you've had excess ex, extra costs because they need to have more uh, PPE, cleaning supplies, and so on. They may have had to spend some money to put things in for Traffic patterns and social distancing. Uh, you've had a decline in occupancy there, rising vacancies because people might not have wanted to move in during the pandemic. So that sector is under a bunch of stress uh, in the short term. But the longer term fundamental here was that the baby boom generation over the next five to 10 years is moving into the age group where senior housing becomes a, an important choice. Um, a lot of times, people get confused They think, well, people don't move into those until they're you know 80 or 90 years old, right? No, actually, you know the average age is going to be the 80s. But you have a lot of people who are in their 70s who are moving into you know, age-restricted senior housing, retirement communities, and so on. And many of those are owned by REITs, you know, REITs that have a big senior housing business as well as other other commercial real estate. Uh, we're 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 at the point where they're going to be bringing long-term uh demand fundamental that is much stronger than these short-term negatives. so you know you you, you, you need to keep track of uh, the longer goal here and that's an area where you might have a lot more upside than downside as I mentioned with uh, with some of the other sectors
0: yeah. Yeah, and I guess it depends on your kind of your view, I guess, too, of that uh, sector. Uh, I know my mother's in senior housing, um, and it's well run. And I was so happy that she was there. I would have been so worried about her if she hadn't been there. I mean, the protections she's had there. So as I look at senior housing, I'm much more fond of, if I think about something like this potentially happening ever again, I would think that would be where I'd want all my elderly uh, family to be. Uh, I I just, I really like the, the, the sector. Well, I'm going to just touch on, on another uh, segment for before I let you go. And uh, that's hospitality hotels, obviously hit hard. We're hearing some, some uh, timeframes for hospitality that are a little scary uh, for a rebound there. What do you say?
1: Yes. That's a sector where there's perhaps a, a longer, lag between when we you know, the, the boundary between the short term and the long term I talked about short term and long term and you know the retail is, is probably already transitioning from short term into the longer term, uh, the lodging hospitality, you're talking about something, uh, perhaps middle of next year, but you know, just as I was talking earlier in the office market how there are some meetings that are better face to face than online well if you want to get together with family your college roommates or something like that uh, you can do a zoom meeting but as soon as people can get back together smell your mom's cooking (laughs) give a hug and sit down on the sofa people are going to travel Uh, some of that travel is going to involve uh, being in a hotel someplace whether you have a destination holiday or whether you're on your way someplace else Uh, Americans do like to be on the road. We're gonna see that sector come back, but the switch from short-term weakness to longer-term fundamentals is a bit farther off, a bit further off than in the other sectors.
0: Well, you talked about wanting to smell your mom's cooking. Obviously, you haven't had my mom's cooking. So <laughs> <you know? laughs> she never was uh, much of a cook. Um, uh, but I'm with you there. Like, I have some clients uh, in New York and Chicago, and I really want to see them. And it's like, we're just all just like, oh, we can't wait to see each other.
1: Yeah, another another area, another thing that's important about the the hospitality, and, and it's similar to the retail, is... They've been pioneering what you need to do so that people can interact in public spaces together. They're not just passively saying, well, there could be a risk, we'd better better shut down. They're saying, well, if there's a risk, how will we have the contactless check-in? We'll have greater cleaning of the the touch points. We'll restrict some of the common areas. Uh, They're trying to make it safe for people to be back in these buildings. Now, the Restaurants and bars, the food service and beverage service are a big revenue center, and that's probably going to be a little bit longer coming back as well. But what they're doing is pioneering how our whole society is going to deal with interacting in public when there is still some potential risk from the coronavirus.
0: Yeah. Well, before you go, I want to get uh, your view of this. If you were talking to the politicians and the leadership of big business, you know, a lot of what is having to be done now is, is, is compare the health risk to people with the economic risk and, and the health risk and everything that come with an economic uh, downturn of, um, so as you weigh that, what would you say to, to those leaders?
1: A lot of people were asking questions of how do you deal with the trade-off of closing down the economy or being safe? And economists have actually studied this. We have data. You talked earlier how you have your cell phone, you can tell where people are going. We have data and we can look, and economists have looked, to see how much of an impact uh, state-mandated stay-at-home orders versus concerns about the virus has had on economic activity. And what they've found is If people don't think that they can go out safely, they stay at home regardless of what some uh, official says. And it's really the health risks that is driving the threat to the overall economy, not the policy response to the health risks. So what I tell the politicians is, as much as we all love to be back right now, we're not going to be able to be um, hitting on all cylinders until it's safe for us for our health out there. It's just not you know, we're seeing some resurgence in cases in many cases in many areas in the fall, uh, heading into the fall, and that just tells us we have to have the population healthy before they can you know go to work, go to shop, go to the movie.
0: You're not suggesting that individuals that we could make our own, des- own decisions about our health risk and where we go. You're you're not suggesting the government should in- control all that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I I. As an American, I'm proud that we all do make good decisions and I'm glad that we elect leaders to help inform us of what we should do because the health officials had said that these masks and social distancing measures will help us kick this virus so that we can get back to normal faster. So it's important to listen what these health officials are saying, because I really do want to kick this virus and get back to normal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we got to find that that trade off between, you know, government telling us what we can't and can't do and, and making our own decisions, but uh, overall have great health and and get this economy rebounding. Uh, Calvin, what would you leave our audience with to think about uh, moving forward with uh, real estate and the economy?
1: You know, the fundamentals of real estate were really strong coming into this crisis. Again, this was an external shock. This was somebody hit your car, not the engine died. The transmission didn't fall out. You got you to repair the bumper. You got to repair the external damage. And then we're going to drive off and we're going to drive well.
0: Will we have new cars or old ones, though? <laughs> What's it going to look like? <laughs> Calvin, thanks for joining us, sir. Great information as usual. Thank you.
1: Always a pleasure.
0: Thanks. All right. And thank you for being with us around the country. We appreciate uh, hearing from you and uh, connecting with you on your favorite social media. Uh, Please reach out to us. And uh, until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn and laugh and join us for America's commercial real estate show. the show consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors bull realty is a commercial real estate sales leasing and advisory firm doing business throughout the southeast headquartered in atlanta visit BullRealty.com for more information vista property report slash cre show incredible analysis using smartphone technology Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at CommercialAgentSuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, creshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to
1: America's Commercial Real Estate Show.